0: You're listening to audio from Calvary Gravenhurst in Muskoka, Ontario. For more resources or to connect with someone in the church, please visit calvarygravenhurst.com. Oh, good morning. I trust that uh, as we hear the word of God that uh, you'll be encouraged by it. Um, Let's look to our Lord in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the way you work in our lives. We thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. We thank you that it is so clear in your word, the Bible, that uh, you have come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was not plan uh, B. This was plan A. You've always designed that Christ would come, and we thank you for that. And as we uh, look at this series, we just ask you to open our hearts and minds to each other. And we'll be convicted, we'll be encouraged, and we would uh, make sure that we don't miss Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, I was uh, um, at the airport. I go several times at uh, times uh, at that, that time a year, and I go to South Africa to work with orphaned and vulnerable children. And so I was at Pearson Airport, and I sat down uh, next to two gentlemen, and uh, just making conversation. Shook the one gentleman's hand, uh, said, I'm Craig. He said, I'm Kyle. The other guy said, hi, I'm uh, Demar And we got chatting, and, and probably for about half an hour, it was pretty nice, and then uh, moved on. And a uh, couple of months later, I was at home, and my daughter's a, a, a basketball freak. She just loves basketball. And I said, hey, I, I sat next to that guy. And she goes, what? I said, I, that, that guy there and that guy there. You, you you said what? I said that uh, Carl Lowry. Yeah That's the guy I said next to Demar Rosen. And she goes, you didn't get an you didn't get an autograph. Why didn't you get an autograph? I said I don't know who they were. And it's, it's interesting when you, uh, you, sometimes you can pass famous people and you don't even know they're there. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise was making uh, Dead Reckoning in, in Mission Impossible in London. And one day he just wanted to take a walk on his own. So he went to a subway, had a baseball cap on. He was kind of in disguise and it was pretty packed, he said. And, and all of a sudden he just kept da- down and he looked over and this 14-year-old little girl was looking at him. And he thought, oh, and then uh, he kind of goes to her. And she kind of looks around. Everybody's down on their phone. Everybody's doing something else distracted. No one's looking at him. So she goes, click. (laughs) And, and, you know, we can often, that's so true, we can bypass people and not even realize who was there. Well, that happens at Christmas you know and there are people who literally miss christmas every year even though jesus is right in front of their face and so we're going to look at this week and next week certain people that miss christmas this week we're only going to look at one person in Matthew 2 go there to Matthew 2 it's on the board there Matthew 2 uh 1 to 15 and keep focusing as well as we read there's a couple of reasons I've highlighted those yellow um um, those, those words in yellow. So, God, would you just bless your word as I read it, please. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people he inquired of them where Christ was to be born they told him well in Bethlehem of Judea for so it is written by the prophet and you Bethlehem in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judea and from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd uh, who will shepherd my people Israel then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them where, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, for when you have found him, bring me word, so that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, <clears throat> and behold, the star ...that had been seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned uh, in a dream... And not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take your child and his mother, flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt And remain there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So some background on Herod. Because we're talking about how Herod missed Christmas. Well he ruled from about 36 BC to about 4. Sorry AD to 36 BC. and He... um, was from the, actually the line of uh, um, Esau. And we see that there were some good things that he did. Like, for instance, he built this huge fortress in Masada um, on, a, on, a, on a mountainside. Uh, he built palaces. Um, he actually built the uh, port in Caesarea, which actually still stands today. So he, had, he was quite a, um, uh, an architect, but he also had some major issues. He was incredibly insecure, and so much so that he kills his wife's brother, he puts to death 46 members of the Sanhedrin, um, he kills his mother-in-law, he kills his own wife, and he kills his own sons because of a threat that they may take over. In fact, Caesar Augustus said of him, the Roman uh, uh, Caesar at the time, said that it's better to be um, one-off... herod's pigs or herod's dogs than herod's sons or family members he was that known to be that vicious and so what do we learn well herod did not want rivals he had a watchful covetous eye and he was very very insecure and yet what we see is that in this passage by the holy spirit matthew is guided to teach us something that i think we need to see and understand Look at a couple of the, uh, uh, let's go back to these passages. Notice the word behold, um, saw in verse uh, uh, three, uh, inquired, searched diligently. Again, verse nine, behold, when they saw the star, uh, they saw the child in verse 11. Verse 13, behold, and then again, um, we see in verse 15 that he wanted to go and search out the child what we find is almost a, um, a divine title, if you would, because the word behold, which is used three times there, means to look and to learn. That's actually what the word means, look and learn, pay attention, grasp what it's saying. And we see, look and learn how Herod looked, but never learned anything. Look and learn, but also look how Herod looked, but he actually learned nothing. What about us this morning? I hope we don't miss Christmas because we learned something profound how Herod missed Christmas. How did Herod miss Christmas? Well, we see that Herod searched for all the wrong things throughout his life. So it wasn't surprising when Jesus came that he was going to search him out to take him out, but he searched for all the wrong things. You know, he made a palace called the Herodium and and to exalt his name. And we see that he was absolutely insecure as a man. Though he had everything, he had nothing. What about you and me? What are we searching for? What's our pursuit? Because we do. And I got to confess to you, I search for all the wrong things, even as a Christian. I mean, say 41 years and I can tell you something, some of my Christian walk, even as a pastor, even studying to be a pastor, studying to be a counselor, etc., I have failed miserably. I have been humbled and broken. And even as I prepared this message, you get to the point where you go, I don't even deserve to preach this because we search for the wrong things. But thanks be to God that he treats us better than our sins deserve. He is faithful to us. So what are we searching for? Well, let's have a look at some of the evidences, there's four. We're going to look at four evidences that Herod searched for all the wrong things. Then we're going to look at four evidences that you and I might be searching for the wrong things. So let's look at Herod first. First thing, how do we know that Herod searched for the wrong things? Number one, he forgot that God is God and Herod is not. He forgot that God is God and Herod is not. And we see in the beauty of the scripture here, the integrity of God's word tells us in Matthew 1 that it's actually a quote from Isaiah 7:14. In fact, there are 12 quotes from the Old Testament in the book of of uh, the book of Matthew, from Isaiah saying who Jesus was going to become. In, in Isaiah 7:14, all this took place to fulfill. What the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We just sang that. Notice that was about six to seven hundred years before that was fulfilled. The king would be none other than God with us. Isn't that beautiful? And it's important because we don't see that in English. The word fulfill is what they call in the Arist tense. It basically is almost a historical reality that that act will take place. It's quite beautiful when you see, when you look at language, how important that is. Herod also missed Matthew 2, even though he had it quoted for him in Matthew 2, 5, and then verse 5 and 6 from Micah 2, 5-2. And notice, it wasn't that we have come Because uh, where is he who might be the king of the Jews? Or where is he who is being born? And we think one day he'll become the king of the Jews. He actually says, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? It was a historical reality. That's incredible. It's a historical reality that his kingship, there was, and by the way, there was no mistake that Herod understood this absolutely no mistake it's hard for us in 2023 to go back there but he knew what he was reading he knew there was a rival and then thirdly we see what he forgets because he and he ignores Matthew 215 this was to fulfill what had been spoken by the lord through the prophet out of egypt i called my son that's actually a prophecy also found in uh, Hosea 11:1 where God reflects on the saving act of himself where he takes his people out of Egypt. Remember that was in the book of Exodus in the beginning of the Bible right remember that and he takes them out that was by the way throughout the Bible coming out of Egypt God's people that is the single most important act to show the Jews that they were his. That's critical to understand that they would represent him and what we find though Notice Jesus, and Matthew, I would say Matthew is arguing that Jesus fulfills a greater redemption, a greater expectation, because it's not just something that happened in the past. It's, it has always been a part of God's plan. It will happen, and he's the better way. So Egypt was a safe haven for a short time for Jesus to go there, but he comes out of Egypt, and God calls his son to die for the sins of the world. Isn't that Beautiful. And that was for the Jews. That was for the Jews to remember that significance. And that's important. We, we sometimes miss that. And why do we miss that? Well, how many gospels are there? Four, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So John speaks about Jesus as God. That's the emphasis. So think of a building on fire, four, four different positions. So it's the same building, There are four different reporters talking about the same event from multiple perspectives. It's the same event, but they're talking from multiple perspectives. The one, John. So that's Jesus. So John is talking about Jesus as God. Luke comes along and talks about Jesus as the son of God, uh, the son of man, who dies for the sins of the world, who understands men's challenges and women's challenges. Mark comes along and he says, I'm going to talk about Jesus as servant. But Matthew talks about Jesus as king. No mistake. That's beautiful. How God from eternity past would teach us, and it's called the antiquity of the text, something beautiful coming out of the text. And that's what he wants us to understand. So there's no mistake that Herod forgot that God was God and he was not. Second, we see that Herod refused to look vertically to God but remained focused on his own agenda. Notice what happens here: when wise men from the east came, saying, "Where is he who has been born King of the Jews?" He saw, uh, for we have seen the star, it rose, and we have come to worship it. Now, what's so significant about the wise men? Well, spoiler alert: there's not three kings. Just, just putting it out there. They were actually. Um, magi. They were magicians. They were royal servants under a king who probably even sent them, and it was probably about 10 to 20 of them. It's not just because there was three gifts doesn't mean there were three kings. There were three wise men, and they were magi. Now, why is that important? Well, Janine Brown, she's a New Testament scholar. She said, Matthew's reader would have likely identified the Magi as royal servants, which, by the way, is found in Daniel chapter 2 and in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. If so, the Magi in Matthew 2 would have provided a contrast to King Herod. That's important. While kings should be expected to pay homage to the Messiah, according to uh, Psalm 72, 10, 11, Matthew instead portrays royal servants and Gentiles at that doing so. These Gentile worshipers provide a stark contrast to Herod, who claims an intention to worship Jesus, but plots his demise instead. That's important. And by the way, I'm going to have the manuscript. I'm going to send the manuscript to Alyssa and it will be on the website so you can, if you need to follow any of these quotes afterwards. But that's important. There were royal servants who were coming under, coming to serve, where King Herod should have bowed the knee because Jesus was the ultimate king, but he didn't. He had a hard heart. The Gentile royal servants, interesting, focused where? Did they focus horizontally or vertically? Actually, interesting, with the star, according to Numbers 24, 17, the star will come uh, out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. They focused vertically by looking at the star, but notice how they bowed the knee and they worshipped. They worshipped Jesus as king. Notice we see that Herod focuses his attention horizontally on his own agenda. But according to the scripture, Isaiah 57, 15, what does it say? God dwells, sorry for the spelling there, God dwells in the most high. But where else does he dwell? He promises to dwell with anyone who is humble and broken and contrite in heart. Thanks be to God. And we see in the book of Psalm 53, verse 2, God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. Let's just stop and think of that for a second. There may be several reasons why you came this morning, but notice what God's doing here. He is looking down on all of us, including me. And why is He looking down on the entire human race? Because He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks Him. See, wise men and wise women still seek Him. That's what God's saying. I'm giving you a chance. Look to me. Look to me. Don't look to your own agenda. Number three, what's there? another evidence that he missed Christmas because he was searching for all the wrong things? Herod was coveting power and position. When Herod heard the king heard this, he was troubled. The word troubled is basically a word that means a deep, frantic, losing the mind. It has the idea of being uh, scattered, fragmented, and fractured. What scares you? What scares me? What makes us, because that's what happens. The word in the Bible actually for anxiety means to be fractured. Think of puzzle pieces that are thrown over the room, across the room. And peace, Irene, means to put the puzzle pieces together. Well, he threw them all over the room because he was fractured in his thinking. It doesn't mean they couldn't have been put together. He could have taken the scripture. He could have taken each piece of scripture and said, oh, this is Jesus and bowed the knee. Instead, he coveted. He had the facts in front of him, just like you and I do. But he missed Christmas because he focused on comparing who he was, and he became afraid, fragmented. He coveted power. He coveted control. He wanted to consume. And he was known, by the way, to be what? Paranoid. Uh, historical fact, he, he decayed in his life to the point where physically he decayed and he grew a paranoia. Research has shown there's actually been some doctors that have done significant research on Herod the Great as a king and how and what, and I won't go into the details because they're pretty gross, but they created a paranoia in him where he killed people. So it is not out there that he actually ended up by killing the, the babies the way he did. Because he had this paranoia about him because he coveted, he had to consume. And it's interesting, all he had to do is this. All he had to do is bow the knee and say, you know what, I'm insecure. There's something powerful about revealing your shame, you know that? There's something powerful about being caught out that you're coveting and you're afraid and you just bow the knee and you look up to God and said, I am a mess, help me but we become proud, don't we? There's many times in in my life where I've been calling things and God has literally broken me, using people to break me. And God often brings people into our lives and we often go, well, who are they to tell me? As opposed to saying, oh Lord, you've used that person to reveal my insecurity in me. And there's something critical about bowing that knee, isn't there? Do you realize there's a freedom to coming clean in front of the Lord and other people. It's a beautiful thing, yet he missed that opportunity. And fourthly, what do we find? What is the evidence that he searched for all the wrong things? Well, fourthly, we see that he missed the right person. He missed the Christ of Christmas. And he did that actually in seven ways. Let's look at them briefly. Again, you're going to have the manuscript, so I don't want to bore you with a lot of details, but these are critical points Notice in uh, Micah, sorry, in Second uh, in Matthew two five and six, it says that it was written that you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means are the least among the rulers of Judah. From you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people. What did Herod miss? Number one, he missed a very specific divine inspiration. The word there, interesting enough, it is written is actually in the perfect tense. What does that mean? That w- So you have the past tense, the future tense in, in language. You have the present tense, but the and the aris, which is historical, but the perfect tense is very important. Do you remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. That's in the perfect tense. What Jesus did there has ramifications and, 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 and power right into the future. So when Jesus died on the cross all the way 2,000 years ago, that that was the salvation. That's the same tense this word is in. It is written. It is in the perfect passive. What was written there has truth, and it will hold true, and nothing can alter that truth right into the present. That's what he's saying there. It's a specific prophecy. It is written by the prophet, and it has ramifications for us today. There's no other text. There's no other book in the world that has that kind of guarantee except god's word second thing he missed is an exact location bethlehem nine k south of jerusalem and he missed the point that 700 years before god was very precise and that's where he would be born thirdly an insignificant town for a king to be born interestingly enough we find that jesse um, uh, was born there, David's dad, and we'll look at that in just a moment. But the town itself was never looked at as significant. When they did a registry, so every now and again you see in the Old Testament they do a registry of all the towns. Well, we find in Joshua and also in Nehemiah that Bethlehem wasn't even mentioned. But it's interesting. Why is it significant? Because out of the mundane comes meaning. Out of the weak things comes power. God often uses the things. That's why we live here today, isn't it? Look at Instagram. Look at social media. Look at me. Well, interesting, in the Bible, it's just the opposite. If I'm going to boast, Paul said in 2, Timothy, sorry, 2 Corinthians eleven thirty. 30, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in all the things that show how weak I am. And Remember what he said in chapter 12? For when I am weak, I am strong. That is opposite to this culture. How do you become big, powerful, strong? I grew up in the era of Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jean-Claude Frandam and all those interesting people. And and even my own father said, if you're to be strong, you have to take people down, take people out. You constantly get to told that power is where it's at. The Bible says just the opposite. God uses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. That's hard, isn't it? Because we're we're told about image management, how we look, how we present ourselves. Think of it, when someone fails, what do we do? We look down on them. We don't go, I could be right where you are right now. And I had to learn that the hard way many times in my life. It's when we're weak. And some of you here today are hurting. But it's when we're weak, that's where God works and acts. I'm close to the brokenhearted, and I heal those who are crushed in spirit. Number four, let's see what he missed. A specific city, Bethlehem, is known as the city of David. As I said, Jesse uh, was born there in Bethlehem, David, King David's dad. And, and it's interesting, out, God says when he chose David, I didn't, uh, everybody looks on the outside, but I'm looking on the inside of that man, the heart, but notice, who does God use in Isaiah 9:7? It says, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. It was prophesied that Jesus would be the one who would sit in the throne of David. That's key. That's a huge fulfillment. Now, why is that important? justice and righteousness. Whenever you have those two words together in the Bible, look at how many times in the Old Testament those are used. It means you take care of the widow, the orphan, the addicted, the afflicted, the hurting. That's why I was leaving Canada, I'll be honest with you. I wanted to go to South Africa, stay there, Malawi, Zimbabwe, because that's where hurting kids are. I had the privilege of working with some sex trafficked kids uh, actually up in Madowa last weekend. One of them came to Christ. A young man came to Christ. So I see there is hurt here. And I was going to leave because I thought there was the hurt over in Africa. And it's true. It is. It's, 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 it's just they don't have Christmas, a lot of the kids we work with. But there are hurting people here too. There are hurting people here too. And God showed me that. Stripped me off everything again and showed me that i got to be here to help the next generation see that. And go into missions and help. First of all, across the street, then across the seas. So God stopped me. By the way, I wasn't happy about it. I thought it was pretty clear. We sold everything, put $180,000 into South Africa, sold our house. Uh, This is the ninth time we started from scratch. No pension, no retirement, no saving. And then God stopped it happening. COVID happened. We were adopting a young child at the same time in 2020. And God stopped it. And I was ticked. I was not happy because my plan was, that's what we're going to go do and i'm done with canada and god goes really let me tell you skippy these are my people not yours and god told me you are just like jonah you so you did your little thing and now you want me to destroy everybody no that's not how it works and you are the older brother in the in the prodigal son story you say you served me etc but do you know me let me strip you again I was searching for the wrong things. He said, well, Craig, that was ministry. <laughs> if you don't do it the way he wants it, we're not patient, then it's not. Then it's Craig's agenda. Amen? I mean, not amen that it should be Craig's agenda. Amen that I was saying, right. <laughs> Number five, a savior. He missed a savior who will satisfy spiritual hunger. What was Bethlehem? What was, it, what was What's the name mean? House of bread. Is that, is that wild? house of bread jesus said whoever comes to me will never hunger whoever believes in me will never go thirsty john 6 38 why 35 i am the bread of life their sustenance would come right out of bethlehem the one born in bethlehem next bethlehem number six herod missed this important point he would have known this lambs were bred in bethlehem why because it was pretty close to the to jerusalem and twice a day sometimes three times a day Two, two sets of lambs were needed and the person would put their hand or the priest would put his hand on the lamb slit its throat and the blood would spill out we go oh that's gross no it's not not back then because that lamb was dying for the sins of the nation but who is jesus when john 1:29, what did john say when he saw jesus behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world And you want and you want your socks rocked? Yeah. How about this one? The book of Revelation thirteen verse eight says that Jesus was the Lamb of God prepared before the foundation of the world to die. That's significant. So this is the Jesus of Christmas. And then we see number seven: Jesus would be the true shepherd. Jesus would be the true shepherd. In Ezekiel, it ached God. This is also found, by the way, in Jeremiah as well, in Isaiah. But in Ezekiel, we find that God hates the fact, he says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Listen to what he says. You shepherds, shouldn't you feed my sheep? Shouldn't you give them milk to drink? Shouldn't, why, why is my flock starving? Why haven't you taken care of the weak? Why haven't you attended the sick or bound up the injured? My sheep are scattered without a shepherd. Where was that found? Remember the book of Matthew 9, 35? Jesus had compassion within him, for he saw that the people people were sheep who were scattered as sheep without a shepherd. Beautiful. And he calls his disciples to do something. And in Ezekiel, this is what it says. Sovereign Lord says this, You have abandoned my flock, but I myself will search my sheep. Now, why is that significant? Because in John 10, Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. And I lay down my life how? Somebody kills me? No, I lay it down voluntarily. Nobody takes my life from me. That is insane. A sinless sacrifice dying for you and me. And by the way, he hasn't died yet when he said that. You realize that? Imagine that, knowing you were going to die. But he did it because he came to do the will of the Father and to finish his work, and Herod missed that. So why does all this matter? What's the point of all this? Well, maybe, just maybe, some of us, there's some evidences that we might be missing Christmas. What's the first one? Well, we can miss Christmas because we forget God. And how do we forget God? Well, we substitute him. We substitute him. For what? For what? Well, the cost of Christmas—it you know, was pretty expensive—and we often feel obligated to get somebody something. Number two, the pain of Christmas. Oh, Aunt Mavis is coming to visit. Uh, do we have to go around to? Oh my word! Oh, do they have to come? Why did you invite them? It's not the most wonderful time of the year. No, Craig, we're Christians. We never think that. Oh, please. Yeah, we do. We should stop, but we do. And we often are frustrated and upset. And Then we're traveling all over the place. But how about this one, the loneliness of Christmas? Even around other people, do you realize you could be lonely? You could actually feel like you're not connected to anyone. And that's why you should say, Lord, use me this Christmas, even though I feel lonely. And by the way, Loved ones, you might be lonely for a real reason. A spouse could have passed away. Somebody could have betrayed you. A divorce, it's lonely. A teenager could be on their own. You could be struggling. But here's the promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He promised that. You don't have to be lonely because he is there. He is right with us. And by the way, what's your next great event people say, well, we died. No, 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 our body dies, but we go to seek him. And imagine if it's today, on the way home, you pass away and the Lord looks at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you may say, well, no, 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 I haven't lived a life I should have lived. Yeah, but in the service, what happened is you searched for me. You realized that I was your sufficiency. And because of that, I just called you home. Wow, that's something else, isn't it? When you look at it that way. How about the surface compliance of Christmas, the pressure to be happy. When a person's heart is broken or hurt, it's hard. As it says in Scripture, even a laughter of the heart can still be broken. The gluttony of Christmas. I won't even go there, but you know what I mean by that. And the consumption of Christmas. We can often feast and reward ourselves. It's insane, by the way. Research has shown this, how the next generation have literally bought Christmas presents for Who? themselves that's that's not in china where my sisters lived for 30 years there's a day before christmas where 30 uh, somethings literally spend get a hold of this hundreds of thousands of dollars on themselves it's actually it's actually you get applauded the more you spend wow that's where we've gone we've gone horizontal we've missed so the the point of christmas number two the second application we can miss christmas because we Refuse to focus vertically is on Christ, but rather horizontally on ourselves. It says in the book of Mark, chapter 4, 18 to 19, what do you think are number one challenges as Christians? Well, Jesus warns, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth or the lure of wealth and the desires for other things. So no fruit is produced. Why? Because it's choked. Choked. What can choke us, do you think, this Christmas? Well, money, relationships that can, I've got to win people over, run after people, do the right things, say the right things. We're codependent on people. Our future, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? I've made some huge decisions and it hasn't worked out. That's not true. Not in the sovereignty of God. It hasn't worked out in my timing. That doesn't mean it hasn't worked out. See, we're very impatient people. Would you suggest that's true? Well, I am. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> uh, but I think we are all are. Our insecurities. What would be some insecurities we have, do you think? The way we look. What people think about us. Our comparisons that we don't think we match up. How about our health? That's a big one. You know, things can go wrong with our health. One of the things I learned from my detached retina is that you learn to adapt and to adjust to the things that you cannot change. So I can't change my eyesight. It's, it's getting there. It's pretty much gone. But you adapt and you adjust to what you cannot change. That's what you learn about life. Our distorted thinking. We can catastrophize. What does that mean? We can think about the future, and start making scripts, write them out, then we become the director, the producer, the actor, and we start telling God, this is what's going to happen. It's crazy because then when it doesn't work out that way, we go, huh, oh, what happened? And God says, the whole script was wrong. It had nothing to do with me. And Jesus says, oh, excuse me, in me, through me, and because of me are all things. And that's critical that we find the sufficiency of our plans is no good without the sufficiency of who he is and whose we are. How about our shame? We don't wanna be exposed, and we should be, but here's the key, if you're gonna expose your weaknesses, you've gotta have people around you that will accept you. Well, he does. He died for our shame on the cross. Our achievements, that can consume us. I had somebody just this morning say to me, Craig, if I don't do this and this and this and this, I feel like I'm nothing. And yet God is stripping me, thanks be to God. And then how about our image management, what we show our world? Man, it's fatiguing. I'm not on social media, but I know a number of people who are now fasting from it because it's literally consuming their lives. Do you know that? They always got to put this, Hi! No, it sucks. They know it does, it's not working but they put this image management on. They get special teeth and whiten their teeth and do their hair. Well, not in my case, but they do their hair. They do all these weird things, and you're like, what? And it's always on TikTok. They've got to rehearse something before they do it instead of just living life. How about getting on and living life? Number three, we can miss Christmas because we covet for things. that be, Just simply, we pursue vapour. Anybody ever boil a kettle of water? Have you ever tried to grab that? My daughter said a little while ago, she said, I'm going to grab the steam and put it in my pocket so when, I, when I'm at school, I'll warm my hands up. I said, "Go for, well, Actually, my mother told me not to have her do that, but um, when my mother was away, I said, well, let's just have a little steam. Okay, I'll turn it off. All right, daddy will grab it. Hoop. All right, quickly, give me a hand. Put in a hand. Okay, hold it tight. Now don't move. And so she goes... It's just wet and sweaty. And I said, well, that's it. What is your life? It is but a (sniffs) mist. And that's what the word meaningless, meaningless means. Vapor, vapor. You should study the book of Ecclesiastes. Hefel, hefel. Meaningless, meaningless. Without permanent value. That's what he's saying. And in the book of Ecclesiastes 2, verse 1 to 11, 1 to 10, Solomon tries 10 different things. Ten, he invests in 10 different things. Wine, women, works, you name it, he does it. And every time he says it's a chasing after the wind. Look at his conclusion, by the way. As I look, verse 11, as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like a chasing after the wind. There is nothing worthy, really, really worthwhile anywhere. And in brackets I've put, apart from reference to God. And that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is. Everything is meaningless without reference to God. That's, so not everything is meaningless, but it's meaningless if we don't have reference to God. So there's nothing wrong in building a house, or there's nothing wrong in going to work, there's nothing wrong in having some entertainment. But if I do that as my ultimate pursuit, it has no permanent value. Does that make sense? Interesting, in Ecclesiastes 4 verse 4, he says, and I saw all of a person's striving comes out of his What? Envy of his who? Neighbor. We become be consumed with what others have. We compare and covet. And finally, this is key. We can miss Christmas, and this is the most important one. We can miss Christmas when we never really wanted to search for the Christ of Christmas in the first place. See, you may be here and go, whatever, Craig. Let's go. Have thine own way, have thine own way, till 12 o'clock then. Swiss chalet, I'm out of here. There's a lot of garbage. That could be your response. Or you may be here saying, you know what? You're right. You're right. I have been searching to be loved, cherished, nurtured, cared for, and I've forgotten him. And that's what he's saying here today. We can think it is what we are searching for, when in fact it is who we are searching for. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Jeremiah 29, 23, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your, with all your what? Heart, your inner being. In Deuteronomy, there was a promise given to the second generation. For it is from there you will seek the Lord your God. You will find him if you seek him with all your heart, with all your soul. And look how beautifully the scripture teaches. What did Jesus come to do? And by the way, that's the, middle ver- that's the central verse in the book of Luke. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Close your eyes, please. Close your eyes, don't look around. You might have been searching for all the wrong things. I know I did. You might have been researching for all the wrong people. I've done that too. On the 4th of March, 1982, I realized that I needed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I needed Jesus. So I'm not going to give an invitation to accept Christ today. I'm going to give an invitation for you to pursue that search. And it's done very simply. You admit that you need him. And that you need to search for him. So if you're here this morning and you have never done that search and you know you want to pursue that further i want you to put up your hand no one's looking around it's just you and the lord do you want to search i see your hand thank you i see your hand i see your hand i see your hand i see your hand thank you so you know it's time to search and how do you do that you a you simply admit that you put jesus on the cross that he searched for you thank you lord B, you believe that you were worth searching for, that he, that he died just for you. Yes, you put him on the cross, but he came to search for you. And C, you confess. What does that mean? You say to God what is real. You'll say something like, God, Lord Jesus, I am so sorry I put you on the cross. I'm sorry I haven't searched for you. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, please. And he promised to give you the gift of eternal life right now if you seek him. And that's between you and him. And then you D, you decide to follow him no matter what. Heavenly fathers, we bow the knee today. You saw those five, six people said, I want to search you, Lord. And Lord Jesus, would you defend them before the father? Would you come into their life? Would they call upon you today? May they go home, open their Bible, may they bow their knee in their bedrooms, closing the door and say, save me, change me, be my savior. And Lord, as you do this work, it has nothing to do with Craig Grannon's message. It has everything to do with your word as it works in and through us mightily. How we need you, Father. Come into us. And if we have come to Christ as our savior and Lord, Lord, may we act differently this Christmas. And yes, buy a present, Lord, for sure. We can buy a present for a loved one. We can be grateful, celebrate. There's some wonderful traditions. But Lord, may we focus on you and live for you who died for us. And so we give you our heart, we give you our mind, we give you our soul, and we love you. And all God's people said in Jesus' name, Amen. Well, God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon audio. For more resources or to connect with us, visit calvarygravenhurst.com.